It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. All right, welcome in. Uh... This is Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He is Phil Mullinax. Happy Tuesday, everyone. I uh, got the mental edge with Sawyer Nicks coming up today. Got a lot to talk to him about. Uh, but first, some breaking news, Phil. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're not going to have to wait uh, for game day <laughs> uh, this week. So uh, because of Hurricane Ian, uh, South Carolina, South Carolina State, they've decided to move the game to a Thursday night kickoff. Uh, the game will kick off at 7 at williams Bryce Stadium between the Gamecocks and Bulldogs. Um, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about this, Phil, because I'm, I'm one of these old school guys that's like, well, if it's just raining, you know, you need to play, I, yeah. you need to play football and then, you know, in bad weather. Uh, but I did notice on one of the forecasters, 40 to 60 degree, uh, uh, 60 mile an hour gusts. Um, that could be dangerous, I think, uh, in a tailgating um, type of uh, situation. Yeah, you got to uh, figure that, and maybe lightning or something as well. So, yeah, tents flying everywhere, stuff like <laughs> that. So, uh, probably best uh, to have it uh, Thursday night. Uh, all things considered, with the wind and rain, of course, I I don't know what Clemson's going to do this week. They got game day in town. They got a night game against NC State the Saturday night, and the forecasts say that you know this thing's going to be over the top of GSP uh, in the orange fog, as you call it, mm-hmm. um, right around that time. So that that's going to be interesting to see how that all sets up. But South Carolina is definitely moving the game uh, to Thursday night. I, I think this. Uh, Despite my mixed emotions about it, I think it's best for the team. Uh, go ahead and get it out of the way as long as you're prepared. Uh, go play it and then rest up for Kentucky in a couple of days. You get a couple of extra days rest to, to heal up. Gamecocks are sort of a beat-up football team right now. So that's kind of the thing there. Yeah, yeah. and I'd, I'd much rather a reschedule than a cancellation. Especially for oh, a game, yeah. you should chalk up for a win. Yeah, yeah. You may be sitting at five and six at the end of the year, <laughs> and uh, you need to kind of find a game like they did with Akron a couple of years ago. That that game went over like a lead balloon. But uh, uh, anyway, <clears throat> I think for this team right now, it's a uh, you know they just had the, their best half of football of the year, uh, second half against Charlotte. Uh, you get right back out there and you go play. Uh, you know, people would say, well, that's only five days rest or whatever. Well, that's going to happen probably in, in 2025. Gamecocks played Virginia Tech in Atlanta, I think, on Sunday or Monday night. Uh, I think it's Sunday of Labor Day in the Chick-fil-A kickoff. And then they turn around and play App State. <laughs> Gulp. Uh, at home. Why? Why? Well, hey, that App State series, man, I don't know. I know it's long standing. It's been pushed back. Yeah, I just canceled the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like this was probably scheduled when App was making their transition to FBS, and they're like, ah, they won't be that good then. Well, little do we know. But uh, hey, look, you got to do it. I remember um, the Tigers, Clemson, uh, in 2015. That was the year I think they, 
first played for their national championship. They opened the season with Wofford and App State back to back. I mean that, that that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, well, they they yeah they went out and took care of business. So you know that was um, you can't be scared. You got to go play, but that's not until twenty twenty five. We don't have to worry about that now. Got to worry about getting ready for South Carolina State. Hope nothing terrible happens Thursday night. Get out there, uh, play. Uh, hopefully, no injuries. Hopefully, the wet the weather Thursday may not be ideal either. But yeah, uh, that, that might just be the rain and whatnot that you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nah, who knows? We're so there's, but uh, yeah, so that game, the TV uh, announcement's coming later today. So I'd be shocked if it wasn't on some sort of TV. It may end up being ESPN Plus, like the Georgia State game was, or just streaming, or it may be, uh, you know, maybe ESPNU, maybe the Deuce. Who knows? Uh, SEC Network doesn't have anything on during that time, so it's probably SEC Network is my guess. But uh, that announcement's coming later today along with Shane Beamer's weekly press conference. Uh, everything kind of gets pushed back. I don't know what about Carolina calls. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do about that. I- I'll say this one programming note for me. Uh, the Spurs Up show, I'm usually on at one fifteen Eastern Thursday. I will be on at ten fifteen Eastern Thursday. Uh, oh. For the old Spurs Up show, so I'll be on with Chris before uh, his segment with us, um, and that's fine. Thursday's going to kind of be a uh, you know pregame show kind of vibe here. We won't have a show on Friday. We're going to take that day off uh, just because it's Friday. Uh, the Gamecocks play on Thursday, uh, and everybody deserves a long weekend every now and then, right? Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. We'll take another one. <laughs> one more, one more programming note tomorrow. Going to cut tomorrow's show a little bit short, thirty minutes short. Yep. Uh, just some uh, conflicts with scheduling and some some things like that that we got to take care of. All right, Nana's Ports chat box is always bumping, mm-hmm. and we always like to get to that first and foremost. Sean said, "Good morning, all." Game me being moved is interesting. I agree. Uh, I don't know exactly what went into the decision. Um, it's kind of weird because Carolina's had this is the fourth game they've had either canceled or moved. Um, starting in 2015 with Spurrier's last game, uh, LSU was supposed to come to Columbia. The Gamecocks went to Baton Rouge instead. And um, it's kind of weird. The last two times they've been to Baton Rouge, Phil, uh, which you normally face a raucous crowd of people that throw ham sandwiches at you and eat gumbo and drink brown liquor. Uh, I was riding the Bourbon down here, you know, um, kind of a half crowd uh, in 2015 when they played. And then uh, the next time they went, that was pandemic year, 2020. So not a big crowd at all. Yeah, uh, Just kind of an interesting thing. LSU won both games handily, <laughs> badly. Uh, but hey, you know, you know, you never know uh, with that. But I just thought that was an interesting tidbit. So that got moved. 2016 Georgia game got pushed until Sunday afternoon. Um you know, I, I'm sure that was under consideration here, but hey, you know, it, it's it's it, SC State's just coming right up the road, right? Yeah. Um, and they're probably ready to get it out of the way. They probably don't want a Sunday game against a you know of an opponent that's going to be more physical than them, and then they have to get ready for their next game. Um, so that's probably what the deal is with that. But um, you know, then in there in 2018, the Marshall game got canceled. Uh, because of a hurricane. That was a little bit, I don't know. I remember sitting there that day going, the weather's fine. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, uh, like they could have played, dude. Yeah. Tracked a different way or something, and yeah, they're worried about they thought. Yeah, Marshall yeah. getting to town or whatever. Uh, of course, the Gamecocks scheduled Akron and played the Mighty Zips at the end of the year, uh, and then uh, and then this one. So that tends to happen frequently. Uh, it doesn't happen as much as it happens at Florida, but right. it uh, does happen at South Carolina uh, a lot. So. Uh, pretty interesting there, but I do think, uh, you know, this one, whereas the rest of them, I kind of shook my head a little bit, especially the Marshall cancellation. Uh, didn't didn't shake my head with the flooding. That was awful. Um, yeah, well, that was bad. That was bad. I mean, people lost their lives, and Columbia was underwater. It was awful. But uh, the 2016 move for Georgia, I, you know, that was all, another one of those where that night, you know, because it was supposed to be a night game, the night before, you're like, mm, well, they could have played this one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then the Marshall game. But th- this this sits a little bit better with me. Maybe it's because I'm just impatient and probably would enjoy watching Carolina Thursday and then relaxing all weekend and watching the other teams without any pressure or stress. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so that's cool there. Uh, Jared says, good morning, Gamecocks. Rocking my Abe Froman shirt today, Sausage King. <laughs> Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> uh, Sean goes, uh, so I have been thinking a lot about Sat. To me, he's like a teacher. He can evaluate talent and teach talent, but just because he is an OC doesn't need doesn't mean he needs to be one, just like a teacher. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. Like some are teachers and some are, you know, some are teachers and no football, and they coach at the high school level. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean – you know, I don't know. I don't know how to compare that, really. Uh, but I, I think I think you're kind of spot on. Uh, Joey Sox, morning, guys. Do you think the game being moves a positive or negative for USC? The short term isn't ideal, but now we have more time to focus on the huge road game at Kentucky. Thoughts? Yeah, Joey, I think it's positive. Phil, chime in here if you, if you want. Just because the Gamecocks are banged up, you got some guys that were nursing injuries or whatever, Um I don't know if it'll help with the extra rest getting people back, uh, but I think any anytime you go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say yeah. You could only figure the extra time is going to help. Uh, yeah, you know, gives the offensive staff more time to game plan, which seems to benefit them. Yeah, it does. That extra extra couple of days that could, yeah. that could that could mean the difference between. A stinker and not a stinker. So, yeah, but uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, you're playing an opponent that, that you know, you're not going to need you know ten days rest to play anyway. Uh, yeah, you know, love Buddy Pugh and what he's done in South Carolina State, but you know, I, we should be more physical and you know, there's a lot more talent at South Carolina, so um, don't mind moving it up a couple of days. And and if you know, I, I think just the health of the team is the most important thing. If it gives them extra days to get fully healthy to get back into SEC play, then I'm all for it. Yeah, and then you think too, Phil, you got rest and so you get 10 days rest or so and you go play Kentucky. And then you got the open date after Kentucky before AM mm-hmm. comes in. So that's, that's probably a nice little break, you know, mid season, all, all told. Lady Bree says, I like more time to heal up and prepare for Kentucky, less time dwelling on what happens in our FCS matchup that only kind of matters. It matters and it doesn't. They all matter, but yeah, you know, um, thing here. Quantrell says Thursday night football and Willie B. I'm with it. Uh, Sean says just because they know the subject doesn't mean they know how to relate it to students. I, I think, 
you know, I worry about the teaching aspect of it, like in terms of how they're teaching it, because it has seemed kind of complicated. Um, th- this season's problems, though, to me, have been more in-game. Yeah. Like, it, and, and that requires feel. And it, I think it was hard to tell last year, Phil, in a lot of ways about the, the down-to-down play calling and stuff like that because you, you're just kind of shorthanded. Now, personnel usage and things like that, yeah, why did Jaheim Bell and Juju McDowell disappear for long stretches of the time? You know, there's those are all good questions. Why, you know, quite frankly, in hindsight, Joyner could have played more quarterback. Jason Brown uh, really had the most success, if you get down to it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think those were all fair questions, but it was hard to tell down-to-down play calling, but you know, you kind of get to this point and it's like, well, we're 17 games in and unless South Carolina is just running up around through and over the opponent, this offense goes nowhere. And it's not realistic in in the SEC that you can line up and, and do that. So that, that's the concern. And that's why last week I was talking about balance, you know, a whole lot. You got to have, you got to have balance. Doc says, good morning. Uh, Lady Bree MMA comes back and says, let's get back. Right. Let's bash Satterfield in the comments. Give the guy time. I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I'm not, we'll, we'll just see what happens <laughs> with that. Um, Doc says he's not going to make the game now. That's a, see, that's unfortunate for those that, that can't make it Thursday. I yeah. feel bad for you. Yeah, there are going to be some holes in the seats. It won't be a packed house on Thursday. Yeah, it, it won't. Uh, Chasey says, Satterfield gets three extra days to prepare for you. Okay, Wildcats better look out. We might actually have a good game plan. <laughs> extra you time. Know. Oh, we at him in the game plan situation. <laughs> yeah. Will says, right move. Silly to have emergency personnel at a football game with a hurricane coming in. That's a good, I mean, that's kind of the bottom line with everything uh, and why these decisions are made. Um. Doc says, this far out, things are rarely correct. With forecast, I agree. Austin says, I've seen tents flying to cars with 10-mile-an-hour winds. 60 miles would be deadly. That's the problem, too. Think about this. What if a charcoal grill gets caught up in the wind? And you you take hot coal embers to the face. I could that like could really, all state commercial. Yeah, they did. That probably that happened to me. They I'd lose my uh, cover cover guy status, you know, because it, it burns all over. And anyway, Jan says, does technically one additional day on the practice field make a huge difference in any advantage we may gain against Kentucky? Friday will be a day of rest and film from watching the SSU game. I, I think Jan, the rest is what's important. I don't know that there's any like extra practice time. They they really kind of have their practice schedule down. Uh, during the season, they just move things back and, and things like that. But, you know, getting rest, getting healthy, getting fresh, that kind of thing. Uh, and Jan adds that's the most beneficial. Colin says, happy Tuesday, Gamecocks. Interested to see what happens with Clemson and college game day if they're getting hit by this weather. I've been trying to think of inclement weather game day situations. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, they ever reschedule them? I can remember it raining. Yeah, like I, game I, day I and remember things. rain and yeah, like other <laughs> normal factors, but never you know hurricane force or well, it won't be hurricane force by the time it gets up here. The tropical storm or you know, yeah, I, I, maybe not even that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Clemson played Notre Dame in a was game day there that day. They played Notre Dame, the bring your own 
guts game or whatever. I don't remember. I, I was living in Greenville. I remember watching the game, and it was pouring down rain. I mean, I think I think they did have it there. I think they did have it, and I think – was that the – that was the flood? That was the flood because Carolina played LSU. Mm-hmm. Gamecock and on. Built by the Home Depot, so they should be able to put a roof on that bad boy. Put a roof on it, man. <laughs> We're the little Home Depot guys, the cartoons. They used to with the hammer. They don't have those anymore. Maybe they're not PC. Who knows? Uh, Gamecock and on. What did you think of the broadcast last Saturday? In my opinion, it sucked. Why can't they just move the radio guys into the booth for a game like that, similar to baseball? Uh, football is a different animal with, with regards to ESPN and the SEC network. Uh, Look, I'm not going to defend it. Uh, I, I kind of said it wasn't all that bad yesterday. Apparently, I wasn't paying close attention to the production value. <laughs> um, and so, I wasn't impressed yeah. with the team calling the game either. But I mean, you know, you're not yeah. always going to get winners there. So. Oh, and, and I'm sorry, I stand corrected. It's not SE. It was ESPNU, and mm-hmm. ESPNU gets kind of the bottom of the barrel uh, in terms of selection. You know, now occasionally my guy Mike Morgan will get an ESPNU game, and he's fantastic. But sometimes you don't get Mike Morgan, as we all know. That's right. But a lot of those games look like you're watching a high school, you know, through a local TV affiliate. The Wayne's World broadcast. <laughs> Pretty on Wayne. Yeah. First down, you know. Uh, Mac and Dino says we get extra days to prepare for UK. Lady Bree agrees. It sucked. Uh, Will says Jefferson Pilot put on a better broadcast in 02 than ESPN. You did Saturday. Look, man, I like the. I miss the Jefferson Pilot games with Dave yeah, Neal. Yeah, man, and Andre mm-hmm. Ware. You know, he get Dave Neal would get all fired up. He's still around. You know, SEC Network. I think he gets the noon kickoff sometimes. And mm-hmm. Andre Ware, I think, is with another network. We had him on JC and Morgan this summer. Um, so you know, who knows. Uh, Colin says in 2025, he wouldn't mind getting revenge on the Appies Mountaineers for Muschamp's collapse game. That was a sad game. Yeah. Because South Carolina held their offense to 202 yards and lost. And lost the game. <clears throat> that was a sad year. Because there, there was there was sadness at the beginning, losing to North Carolina and Missouri, two games they absolutely should not have lost. Uh you know, and then they come back and beat Kentucky for the only time in however many years and beat Georgia on the road. And and then that Florida game got away from them, thanks in no small part to the Southeastern Conference officials that right. missed the most egregious holding call I've ever seen in my life. Um, so they lost that. That was sad. And then Tennessee was even sadder. Second half, the Vols boat race, the Gamecocks. And then you lose to App State. And then Clemson and Texas a and just weren't even competitive. Bad, bad. Mm-hmm. Um, sad year, sad year. If yakking on about football is a job, hi, JC. It is a, well, you know, I get paid. Okay. <laughs> uh, Col- Colton says, I hope we see some Lavoisier Carroll at running back Thursday. I would have liked to have seen him in the game the mm-hmm. other night. Um, I yeah, think when that's they go four. They always put in, uh, Dante, Dante a little, yeah, a little turbo, little turbo, but, uh, yeah, you know, like, okay, I can explain this in certain ways. You know, Christian Bill Smith hasn't played a whole lot this year, so you kind of want him to get lathered up. You got Juju and Marshawn taking, you know, their carries. and But I'm with you. I'd like to see Lavoisier Carroll. He's only going to get better at running back by playing in the game. 
Um, you know, I, I didn't see a problem with it, but but maybe they were trying to run Bill Smith a little more just to get him lathered up a bit. Yeah, from so. coming off injury and yeah, getting some usage. Yeah, but it takes us to the Twitter question, though. You know, nice segue into that that you put up today, the Twitter poll. Oh, yeah. Yeah, CBS going to get over or under 100 yards this week. Mm -hmm. I went with under because I think, you know, we're going to showcase the passing game this week. We showcased the running game last week and the passing game this week, and then we'll all pray that we put it all together for Kentucky. Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, and that was just kind of a question because before the game – the game got uh, rescheduled. I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, Bill Smith now carries 55 yards, a couple of touchdowns, right? A couple of touchdowns. Um, At least block, blocks really well, very physical. I think he can help this team, um, especially like in the pass game where he's pass protecting and stuff. Um, so I'm sitting there thinking, um, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, you know, you know, they they may feed him a little more uh-huh. Saturday, uh, but on Thursday night now. <laughs> and so I was like, well, there's a chance, you know, if, if, if they go running the ball, I think there's a chance. Uh, by the way, on Twitter, shout out to Brad Crawford, one of our guests. He just re-signed a contract with 24-7 Sports. So glad to keep, keep Brad uh, as part of it. Um, Quantrell says Jefferson Pilot needs to be brought back as a kid. I love hearing the intro music. Yeah, I like that too. Mm-hmm. What's going to be really sad is you're going to hear the CBS intro music, which is probably the best intro music in college football. As big ten, as the Big Ten game of the week, and even like the not even the first. Mm. No, Purdue and Rutgers. All right, let's do it. <laughs> a big old UCLA Northwestern game. Yeah, that's know. right. <laughs> Illinois versus Minnesota. Mm. Don't know about all that. Don't know about all that. Uh, Colin says that was the worst part of the Charlotte game. I wanted to watch A&M versus Arkansas and Ohio State since our game was not competitive. This week is perfect for me as a fan. Yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy doing that too. Uh, I used to love the openers on Labor Day weekend on Thursdays because I could just chill for opening weekend and uh, just uh, love it. You know? Yeah, I do. I miss not being in that Thursday night opening game. Yeah. You know. Maybe go to the beach or something. I mean, the weather's mm-hmm. still nice. So, um, <clears throat> Alex says uh, in the first three games, the problem was more about mentality, no mean streak. Our guys haven't wanted to hit you and put you on where the good Lord split you. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah, they got physically overwhelmed. Uh, I think against Arkansas and Georgia. I, I think it, Georgia State, the defense at least was physical during the middle part of that contest, and then you know it's just been very uneven. Uh, the Charlotte game, I, I thought second half, the defense went out and attacked. They took some risks. They got after it. Um, it's, it's like they. So I don't know what was said at halftime, but whatever it was worked, you know, because they came out and imposed their will. So, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, Doc says have to balance, have to have balance to read the defense. Six they're in the box, pass three to four down. Let's see. Okay, yeah, that's an R. That's kind of the basics for RPOs. Uh, Craig, Craiger says five, six different times. He's <laughs> <laughs> probably not too happy. Uh, his inner button got stuck. You That's know, funny. 
Jelly says, could you see Carolina resting any starters because of the quick turnaround? I can at least see starters sitting after halftime if we have a decent lead. Yeah, it just depends on what the score of the game is mm-hmm. uh, and all that. Matt says, see way too many similarities with Sat to Rule up in Charlotte. Matt Rule is 1-24 when allowing more than 17 points. Sat is similar in the fact we can't score enough to keep up. Well, I, you know, look, he was with Matt Rule at in Charlotte for one year. Matt Rule, I don't care what he does in the NFL, and I know some of you Panthers fans don't like him. Uh, I don't care what he does in the NFL. That has nothing to do with what he can do as a college coach. And he's proven to be great. But, you know, Marcus Satterfield wasn't his OC at Baylor. He was a OC at Temple. <laughs> but that was that. Uh, Jan says it'll be the spring game crowd. I hope SC State's band is there. That'll be an additional 101. The marching 101. Uh, somebody check on Craig. He short-circuited. <laughs> <laughs> um, blah, blah. Andrew, my boy Andrew Power. In the first three games, Sat ran essentially three run plays duo inside and outside zone. Duo is what they run over 50% of the time. He runs very little power, counter, trap, or zone read. He uh, Actually, Andrew, they ran a lot more of the counter play against uh, – Yeah, this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, Beamer said it was counter and inside zone is what they did. But I, I would like to see more – you know, duo is essentially power, but – you know, it's. I'd, I'd like to see more line up and smash you. And I like the counter play. I think counter play works well with the backs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been pretty, uh, pretty successful. Um, uh, you know, he ran counter three times in the first three games. Lady says, I'm pretty sure that's incorrect, but if you have the stats on that share, you know, Andrew knows, man, he played the game uh, at the highest level. You know, Panthers need a quarterback. Baker isn't accurate at all. And he used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the Panthers. I mean, I you know, you yeah, guys, uh, you guys, you, you Panthers fans can be fine. So, all right, Nana Sports chat box got a lot of iHealth Consulting mailbag coming up. Uh, some people have jumped in on that. Remember, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Um, yeah, so I got all the housekeeping done. As Phil mentioned, the poll will Christian Bill Smith rush for over 100 against SC State? Uh, so far, I think the no's have it. About 60%. I'm going to check on that real quick. Uh, at least on, um, yeah, no's 58%. Yes, 41% uh, on Twitter, on the Big Spur. I don't know. Um, I think it's about the same. Uh, yeah, so here we go. And then one, body, one person says no, but Marshawn Lloyd will. Uh, yeah, 66 to 33. So, not a lot of faith in CBS going over 100 against the Bulldogs of South Carolina State. Mm. We'll see what happens uh, with that. All right. It's Tuesday, and uh, we didn't get to it last week. So we're to it this week. The Mental Edge with Sawyer Nix is coming up right after these messages. This is the show inside the Gamecocks with JC and Phil. We'll be right back. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance 
difference today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! 
Thank you, Braylon, and welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, sponsored by Manscaped, of course. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. The first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss Realty, Colville Banker Kane, here in the upstate, based out of Spartanburg. Give Cindy a call for all your upstate residential real estate needs, 864-414-5271. And we're joined on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than Sawyer Nix. Good morning, Sawyer. How you doing? Time for some mental edge. Hey, we missed you last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that things are back to usual. So, well, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, well, the game gets moved today. That was interesting. At least with the show, it's back to normal. How about that? That's yeah, right. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Uh, well, Sawyer, you know, so we we talk sometimes about the mental impact uh, on players of sudden change and and. Beamer's kind of pre, you know, uh, preach this that you know he kind of likes to expose them to different types of adversity and things because um, in a football game, you know, it's never going to go kind of. I mean, you can't simulate what actually happens. Uh, this is kind of a, you know, abrupt change. You know, here two days before they're supposed to play, so they're supposed to go out there and play quicker. Um, yep. You know, so how do you approach that uh, from a mental standpoint if you're a player and also? Uh, if you're the coaches trying to kind of get these guys, guys to adjust quickly. Right. Well, usually by this time, game plans are set and they're just kind of working through, all right, here's the plays that we need to brush up on. Here are the things we are going to try this week that's maybe a little different schematically compared to other weeks. Well, fortunately for the Gamecocks, we have South Carolina State. And we don't have a, a different team, a, a SEC opponent or either a Clemson or, or a very challenging non-conference opponent, I'll, I'll say that. So I, I think it's a, a little bit easier in the fact, okay, well, we, we're just going to rep all of our base plays this week versus South Carolina State, and we're probably not going to throw a whole lot of extra wrinkles. At least that's my thought. Now, sometimes our coaching staff, they what I'm thinking and what they're thinking are, are the opposite directions, but I'm – at least I'm kind of leaning towards, okay, this is a week to really get your offense going with their base plays, whether it's run or passes. You're keeping it simple. You're just trying to build on the confidence that you had last week, individually and collectively as a team, as offense, as defense, special teams. And they're trying to build on that and, and be flexible. And I think for the players, I think it's a little bit easier because everything is done for them. I'm thinking about when I found out today they're moving the game, my mind is, okay, I'm going to the game. Uh, my son turned six a couple of weeks ago, and so I'm taking Timothy to his first South Carolina football game. Well, we're thinking Saturday. Mm. Now it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> I need to get Timothy out of school on uh, Thursday at, at lunchtime. Oh, does he have a doctor's appointment? Uh, something better. So anyway, so trying to figure that out. How do you get him out of school? Do we drive back that night? Do we stay at my in-laws in Columbia? All of those things. Does he miss half a day on Thursday and Friday? Um, probably not, you know, the best ideal situation. And certainly want to get back and beats whatever may come on Friday as well. So got to navigate those things. Easier. What am I going to eat? What am I going to fix? Uh-oh, I got to change that up. Versus the players, everything's done for them. The bus mm -hmm. is there. The food's there. 
um, they just have to quickly adjust those one or two things, but they don't have to think or, or plan as much because they have people telling them what to do. Okay, we're just doing this, 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 that's that. Oh, okay, yes, sir. And that's that's kind of one of the things that makes it a little bit easier for the players is, again, they're trying to focus more on, on base play this week. And also they have the leadership telling them, go here, be here, do this. And they don't have to adjust as much. Now, certainly they do because it's a Thursday game versus a Saturday game. But I think it's, hey, we're just going to shorten our practices, make sure we're getting focused on the, the keys of the week for the game plan. We're going to talk about those more, maybe walk through more, and we're going to have less time to prep anything else. So. Talking with Sawyer next, the mental edge every Tuesday at 11.30 Eastern time. Certainly glad to, to talk with him. Well, you, you know, we talked last week. We didn't talk to you last week, Sawyer, about the, the get-right game. Um, and, and you know, I, I think sometimes fans and maybe even analysts, too, to a certain extent, you know, they, they sit there and look at, ah, well, it's Charlotte. It doesn't matter. Um I think for players and coaches, it's a different story. I, I think that you, you, you're struggling and you go out there and you struggled in the first half, but then you, you kind of, for the first time all season, the Gamecocks, I right. thought Saturday put it all together on both sides of the ball in the second half. Um, sometimes I think that can give you a, well, a mental edge. Yes. <laughs> if you will, because yeah. it, it's about confidence and seeing and, and – remembering the, the muscle memory, the, the memory memory, the emotional memory, the, you know, the, 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 the focus, uh, you kind of remembered, okay, this is how I did this. This is how it yeah. works. And it may be as simple as, you know, the fundamentals came back or whatever. Uh, and I've seen many, many teams, you know, catch fire like that against lesser opponents and, and it helps them moving forward. What say you? Yes, I, I agree. I mean, you think about Marshawn Lloyd hurtling the defender. It's like, that's the Marshawn we know and we want to see. You know, that's we know it's in him. We just haven't seen it. Now, is that because of him? Is that because of play calling? Is that because of offensive line? Those are all debatable topics. But the fact is we haven't seen that. And now we have that game where, yes. And then everybody's excited. You know, the offensive line is like, man, he can do these things. If we just do a little bit more. And Marshawn's like, hey, if I get free, I'm going to the house. The, the coordinators are, okay, now we got a few plays that maybe are a little bit more simpler. They're not having to think. They can just go out there and, and do the play, not have to overreact and overanalyze. It's not complex. It's not out of left field. It's not some random formation that's never repped. It's something that they do all the time. But to see that on film, same thing when, when players are being evaluated, when I look at, I don't watch much film of recruits, but when you see them, I don't look at them and say, oh, well, the other team's not very good. You just look at this guy streaking down the sideline or pushing people over or pancaking people or making sacks. That's what you look at. And the players themselves are creating these memories. They're looking at images, whatever it is. One of the plays that I love was Christian Bill Smith running down the sideline knocked two defenders on the butt as he was blocking ahead of, I think, what was a swing pass. And I'm like, those are the moments that coaches are going to pull that film up and say, look, man, he absolutely blew him up and ended up going for a big game. And so that's encouraging. 
And I, I think the staff, certainly it's, you have to correct and point out, all right, we got to work on this. We have to improve on this. But when you have tape and when you have proof, not, well, I think we can do this, but when you have legitimate proof, we've done this. Uh, that's a whole nother ball game. That's just a whole nother um, piece of equipment that just gives you so much confidence. And, and it is a big boost. And I totally agree with you that that, the get right game is what was really needed. And hopefully we can continue that on Thursday and then getting a few extra days going into Kentucky, I don't think will hurt either. So. Talk with Sawyer next, the mental edge every Tuesday right here. Um, you know, so they came out second half last week, big second half, all that uh, quick turnaround this week against another team that's uh you know, going to come and give a good, good account of themselves, but probably, you know, they don't have the players to hang with Carolina. Um, how do you kind of keep the focus and, 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 and not, you know, cause I almost, I almost think moving it up to Thursday is better. Uh, cause I don't, I don't think like uh, complacency can, you know, creep in when you've got, you've got to have a new sense of urgency to right. go play a game uh, 48 hours before you were supposed to. Yeah, I think it's no extra, no no extra loafing time. We have to take every second that we have of practice and increase things. So part of me wonders how they adjust scheduling. Do they add more practice time? So usually there's whatever the NCAA allows in practice per week. Do they have – because usually they practice in the morning and then they're done. Well, do they call the team back and have a walkthrough at night? Um, I'm not sure how all that works or do they bottle it and save it and say, well, you're coming in on Saturday and, and Sunday for Kentucky. I'm not sure how the staff will adjust the time and the hours, but you're right. There's no extra moments to, okay, well, we'll just do a little extra tomorrow if we don't get through this period today or if we didn't get to rep this package or work on this play from the scout team. No, it's we have to get it done now. It needs to be done today, right now. So there is that sense of urgency and, and super focus, that micro focus that will be required of the players and the staff. So it, it does, you're right. It does require an extra level of focus and sharpness. So next from the, with the mental edge here on Tuesday, um, you, you know, that Georgia game, because we didn't get a chance to review it with you, you know, 48 to seven was never closed. The Gamecocks weren't in it. Um, and I know the team rebounded last week, but you know sometimes those kind of type of losses can take your soul away. Now, uh, Oregon's rebounded obviously fine, uh, I think. Uh, big win for them over the weekend. I think they're three and one now, and the, and the Gamecocks seem to, at least in the second half uh, Saturday, rebound a little bit. So you know sometimes people say that you know I've, I've seen a few years back. I remember Vandy was undefeated. Right, Derek, the day, the, the great Derek Mason era, um, and uh, they'd beaten Kansas State and two cupcakes, and they're three and zero, and Bama comes to town and beats them sixty two to nothing, <laughs> and they never recovered. I don't think they won another game, um, but you know it does seem like the game guys have recovered. When you get beat like that, how, how hard is it mentally to get refocused and? Uh, and not let one loss turn into two, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's two schools of thought. Some people think what's well, better than losing a close one or blowing a big lead, or others may say, 
well, you know, th this thing could just, you know, tear you apart because you just weren't competitive. You know, what say you about that? Well, I think they just look at the players. Certainly there's the overall score and what the overall team did. And, and there's such a focus on the team that's not lost. But the individual players look at, all right, what did I do? Not do my assignment on this play. And when you when that becomes the focus, then it's like, okay, here's the areas where I need to improve. Instead of this overall, we're just not any good. We got our butt handed to me. It's okay. Well, I needed to adjust this. I need to be better at this specific task or this specific item. Um, I didn't do the correct leverage on this play. I took a bad angle on this play. I had the wrong assignment on this play. Whatever it is, it becomes more individualized. And that becomes more of a focus for the players to correct. And it becomes, okay, I, I can fix this and I can fix that more than, okay, we got our butt handed to us. Um, so I, I think that's one of the, the differences that I think as fans, we, we look overall at the big picture and kind of get lost uh, in the big picture. And the players, they don't forget that. It becomes back down to, all right, how do we adjust from – that specifically what do i need to do in my role to help the team and when when that becomes the focus then that that helps everyone going back to the one percent mentality okay well i didn't do this i didn't do that and you hear the coaching staff saying that you know there was a shoestring tackles that happened it was all right we were this close to busting a big run we were this close to this happening or that happening and that's what they focus on one they focus on that so that they can have confidence that they can improve so there's the belief and also there's the confidence that okay we were really closer than the score because uh, if they keep going back to that score you're not going to have confidence a whole lot you're going to hear the naysayers you're no good if you get that beat that bad then you might as well hang up for the season just kind of you know don't even try versus other teams if you can't even score two touchdowns or three touchdowns versus Georgia when they're having all these new defensive players, then why are you even going to try the rest of this year? Just chalk it up to a loss, losing year, and then we'll regroup next year. <coughs> the team doesn't – they don't do that. You know, they don't believe that. Throw in the towel. Yeah, no. That's, this Sorry. team definitely doesn't do that. And they're very persistent, and they're going to overcome adversity and challenges – and so they, they definitely see it as a, a microcosm of a set of plays, a set of mistakes, small things along the way that kind of derailed the, the overall progress and the overall score of that game. Queasy has an interesting thing here. He says uh, it wasn't UGA, it was Arkansas. That's the game that cleaned their clock. I, I'm going to say I agree with you talking about the defense. Um, because Arkansas physically manhandled them. Georgia was a little less of a manhandling. They just couldn't stop them and get off the field. But, Chris, you got to think about this. The Arkansas game in the third quarter was a five-point football game, and the Gamecocks stopped them on fourth and one and had the ball. You know, and, and I talk about key moments in games. Um, and that's when you're going to, you know, everybody asks, well, when can the Gamecocks get back to being like they were uh, if they ever will, under Coach Spurrier, it, it, it's in it, you know too many times the last ten years, Carolina does good things in a game. In other words, you know, okay, well they come back and they're up, or they have a lead, 
you know, and then at a critical moment, they, it, it's not complimentary football because the defense will get a stop and then the offense all of a sudden goes in the tank after a lot of good successful drives. So it's three and out or offense goes down the field, cuts it to seven or whatever defense needs to stop. And the other team goes right down the field. And that's happened over and over and over again with this program in games they've lost the last couple of years. Um, so I, I think they got to get tougher in key situations. Um, as uh, Lady Bree points out here, but uh, you know, I, 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 that, that, the, the Georgia game, you know, it's a home game. It's a huge crowd. You get beat like that. That kind of reminded me of the 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 fifty nine nothing defeat at the hand of Florida State in nineteen eighty eight when uh, Deion Sanders was playing for them and they had a backup quarterback. Carolina seven thirty kickoff ESPN. Those games, not a lot of games are televised. Gamecasts were the top fifteen, uh, and Peter Tom Willis. Heck of a name. Sounds like a children's book character. Peter Tom Willis was filling in for Casey Weldon for Florida State that day, and they beat the dog do out of South Carolina uh, to the point Deion Sanders was like, it's 59 nothing, and, and that basically ended that team's season. I mean, that they did beat Navy by a, a small margin, lost to Clemson, wasn't close, and then lost to Indiana in the bowl. Um, so, so that's why I think Georgia, you know, was uh, – one of those things, um, uh, you know, where I was a little concerned about it. And it may have taken the defense a half uh, to adjust, you know, to, to Charlotte and what they were doing uh, mentally. But that's uh, that can get you. And, and, you know, other times, though, though Sawyer, I've, I've, I've seen other teams get beat badly and, and bounce right back. You know, the 2012 Gamecocks got beat by 33 points to must champion the Gators. <laughs> They didn't lose after that. Uh, Clemson in uh, 2013 lost at home to Florida State, 51 to 14. Bounced back. Don't think they lost after that. Ended up beating Ohio. Well, they did lose the Gamecocks, but uh, they didn't. They beat Ohio State in the bowl. So uh, that, that's really interesting. So you know, people talk a lot, and, and we're wrapping up here with Sawyer Nicks. It's the middle edge about the mentality of the run game. Like you got to have a certain mindset to go out and run it successfully. Uh, and the Gamecocks did it, you know, in uh, in the game Saturday. They hadn't done it all year before that. Um, what what kind of, I guess, uh, thought process goes into that to establish that mentality? Because it's all about, yeah, you know, I, I think you got to you got to think differently in the pass game because uh, you have to think and do your job. Right. There's a mentality, I think, with uh, linemen, tight ends, receivers, running backs uh, across the board when it comes to the run game. Yeah, well, it's, the assignments are somewhat simpler. You know, here's my assignment if you're on the offensive line. I don't have to react. I don't have to go into pass, you know, defense. Although there are some run calls, you know, with some of the the modern offenses, there are – I guess we don't do a whole lot of run-pass options um, too much, it seems like, compared to previous staffs. But most base run plays – that I saw on Saturday were not, you know, they were not the passive pass blocking. It was put your hand in the dirt and plow somebody moving forward. And I think that's a whole, the offensive linemen, they love that. That's what they want. They want, all right, here's who I need to knock. I need to knock this person down, or I need to double team this person, shift off this block, move to the next level. And it's very, you know, very one, two, three steps. Whereas passing is certainly very reactive. It's like, okay, I got to pick up this guy. What if this guy loops? What if this guy blitzes? 
what you know what happens if the receiver gets shoved at the line he gets put off his his route all those come into into a factor and i think also the uh, running back all right i know what exactly i have to do on this play here are my options here's the here's the play call and i can bounce it out if i want to but i know that i have the confidence to gain the yardage i trust the offensive line that they're ready to eat they're ready to knock somebody down and there's not as much thinking and i think you hit the nail on the head there jc that you know it's just an opportunity to to take some steps and be on be the aggressor and and take it to somebody whether it's blocking or carrying the ball and getting the yards gotcha all right wrapping up with sawyer nicks here on the middle edge uh so the game's in 48 hours man uh, i hope you get your logistics figured out and certainly will be good to have the family there what uh what say you about this game Thursday night? Now Thursday night. Yeah, there's. Um, I don't even know what the spread is. What's the spread? Is it twenty? Is it twenty something? They, they don't normally have a spread on FCS okay. opponents. They they some some online booker books will have it, but that uh, I think I saw thirty two somewhere. Okay, uh, but I don't. I don't think uh, you know. You usually can't play the FCS games. So right. Right. Not, not available. Yeah, I knew that. It, I didn't know. I know sometimes it's published, but that you can't necessarily like. Yeah, so sometimes they have it. So that I haven't. I didn't research it like I should, but I know on my app it wasn't uh, wasn't the case. Okay. Oh, our Andrew Power said thirty-seven and a half. Okay. He knows. Um, I don't see them scoring as many points as they did versus Charlotte. Um, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see um, what the game plan is. Do they use us as a practice opportunity? You know, we need 40 runs, okay? We're getting exactly 40 runs this week. Is it we need to have these certain passing concepts, we're going to work on them? Who knows? Um, I'm not sure what the game plan will be. Hopefully it will be balanced. It needs to be balanced, you know, both. And I would like to see Doty get in a little bit earlier. I think, you know, the Charlotte game was a little bit, again, a little bit slow start. Didn't score a touchdown in the first quarter again. Kind of a disappointment. So I think it's get off to a hot start, and then let's see Doty come in in the third quarter rather than the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. And I'd, li I'd like to see that and get some of the starters rested, give them some extra rest. But we'll see. I, I think they, they should do pretty well. I can see them certainly winning by 30. Uh, I don't see them scoring another 50. Uh, I see it being a little less scoring game. Uh, and I don't think the offense for South Carolina State is as good as the offense for Charlotte. So we'll see. Maybe a you know, 45, you know, 14 or 10, something like that. So maybe they do whatever the 30 point is. I think they could. they can certainly do that. But one other thing I wanted to bring up real quick. Uh, last week, we didn't get around to 12 years ago. Last week, uh, Ken McKinley passed away, and uh, September is Suicide Prevention Month and Awareness Month. And just wanted to remind all of the, the listeners that there's a new, it's like 911, but listeners can reach out, uh, watchers, I guess. Uh, there's a new, I don't know, it's emergency number. Uh, for suicide prevention, and, and that's really important. It's 988 is the number, and just want to remind listeners uh, and watchers that you're loved, you're cared for, 
you're created and have value and that we want everyone to, to enjoy the game and continue enjoying Gamecock football for years to come. And so, you know, if you or, or loved ones are ever having a challenge, certainly call that number. Uh, and that is the suicide crisis line. And that would be something good. It's, it's sad. I was kind of going back over that story with McKinley and with OJ Murdoch. And it, it just kind of broke my heart just reviewing that ESPN story. And for people who haven't re read that story, uh, you can kind of Google on ESPN. But it just it was heartbreaking. And also was thinking about Garnet Thor, Hayden Hurst, you know, 2015 um had suicide attempt uh, so certainly mental health is is a big big topic and i think our staff tries to do a good job of taking care of that but just want the listeners and watchers to be aware of that number and um you know we want you to in, enjoy lots of scores and uh, see see where the game cots go in the future all right thanks uh sawyer have a good one and uh we'll talk to you next week all right. See you next week. Thanks. The mental edge was Sawyer next. Yeah, the McKinney McKinley thing was terrible. And uh, O.J. Murdoch also was a player in that first Spurrier class that uh, didn't quite do as well as people thought and uh, unfortunately took his own life. This is something we hear about far too often uh, in today's society, I think. Um, just kind of pops up. You know, I talked to a friend yesterday, like her neighbor, from when she was a kid, you know, uh, or their their son, uh, walked out in front of a train, you know. Yeah, my uh, daughter is a, a friend who actually committed suicide at school this year. So it's it's been it's it's way too prevalent nowadays. Yeah, so terrible, terrible. Yeah, it's that's not the wet right way out, you know. Um, and and I get that sometimes the weight of the world uh, is on folks. I think especially young folks sometimes. Uh, and, and then you hear about it and, you know, there's a lot of media out there about it. And young people nowadays are exposed to way much more than we were when we were coming up. And it just, uh, that's not a solution, man. It's not a solution because every, everybody's, you know, loved. So, uh, that's cool with that. That was, uh, that was, uh, something we were supposed to talk about last week. That's why I didn't get to it this week. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't know if I know it's suicide prevention month, but I didn't know if we were supposed to talk about it then, uh, or not so uh, forgive me for not getting getting that part out um certainly i've had some experience with that in my own family so it's uh it's not a uh it's never an inappropriate conversation no never not never not so uh we appreciate sawyer bringing that up um and yeah i, I remember like it was yesterday the day kenny passed it was it was unfortunate because we just started the big spur you know from a uh, you know, so that was a big story. It was obviously big news. And we, we had text alerts we sent out then, Phil. And lo and behold, that night it happened. The text alert glitch. Some, something happened with the people we were contracting with. There was a third party that sent them out. Mm. So it ended up sending out like 37 text messages saying Kenny had died. And I was like, my goodness. So, you know, that that's just kind of... Mm. Yeah, that was just uh, that was just salt in the wound on that. Uh, Kenny, uh, I got to know him because uh, he worked for a friend of mine, John, uh, while he was uh, at Carolina. And I have a signed football of his somewhere around here. I'll never ever let that go. 
So Kenny McKinley, RIP, OJ Murdoch, RIP. Certainly we all love Hayden Hurst and, and I'm glad he's still with us. And, uh, you know, again, if you're out there struggling, the number was 988. Get, uh, get that, uh, get on that line because somebody will help you. Uh, I promise. I promise. And uh, that goes for all you that listen to this show too. I mean, you're all part of our extended family here. So we, we certainly, uh, if you're out there struggling, hit up 988, send me an email. I'll answer you <laughs> uh, if you want no to. All right. Hour number two of Inside the Game Packs, the show here on a uh, switch up the schedule Tuesday. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're going to rock and roll with that here in a little bit. Uh, more of your questions, more interaction, more talk about the game. I uh, probably should start breaking it down uh, right after these messages on Inside the Game Packs. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. What's up? This is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecock Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you much for that, Jaheem. And, of course, the second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax by the Lake. For all your commercial real estate needs, give Adam or Derek a call or shoot Adam an email at a Burgesson, B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N. Show is presented to you by Manscaped. Uh, don't forget, use the code BIGSPUR for 20% off free shipping worldwide at manscaped.com. Appreciate uh, so your Nick's coming on for the Mental Edge last hour and uh, looking ahead for tomorrow, uh, JC. We've got um, Evan as a Woodbury, I believe. Big Easy from Tito's. And- yeah, Big E coming Big on, e. making his right. debut on Evan the show. Area, right top uh, of the show. Top of the show. We'll start off with Big E, and then we got JB second hour. On noon, and then, second uh, hour. We're going to cut it off a little early uh, just due to some scheduling conflicts at 1230, but uh, hopefully everybody will be there. Sure. Yeah. And then um, we have, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, maybe we'll move Flint to Thursday now. I'm trying. I reached out to Michael to see if he could do Thursday at noon. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, get with Chris Phillips here after the show to see if we can't get him on too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have a nice little pregame show on Thursday. No show on Friday. I think that'll be a good day for everybody to take off, refocus for Kentucky. Then the next week, I'm going to the Kentucky game. I'm leaving here on Thursday. So we'll have some sort of programming for you on Friday. Yeah, uh, maybe probably, we could uh, re-record a show. Yeah, probably not on, on Thursday. So uh, that's it there. All right. So uh, Nana Sports chat box, a lot of good stuff in here. Sonder does have a suggestion, and uh, I'm not going to read it on the air, but uh, I, I try to do that. I probably need to think about it uh, more often, um, you know, as far as uh, saying, hey, here's who we're with uh, right now. Um, 76 Gamecock says, so what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of SC State at their level? Um, they've struggled a bit on defense this year uh, in, in in some games. Uh, they've only played three ball games. They lost uh, to UCF. I think they opened on a Thursday night. It was like 50 to 10. Um, came back, beat Bethune Cookman 33 9. Uh, good defensive game there. And then last week, North Carolina AT got them 41 to 27. I think they've got a good offensive scheme. 
Uh, I think Shaquan Davis is one of the best receivers at that level, uh, future NFL guy. Uh, I think they come in, they got a physical football team, an athletic football team. Um, my question would be at times their quarterback play. Uh, they don't. They don't have a guy like the Charlotte kid that, that's going to sit there and carve you up. But they do have a good scheme. Bennett Swagger, former Gamecock quarterbacks, that we see there. Um, and I think they'll come in and, and try to play physical and tough. You know, SC State's always got two or three guys on defense that are really, really good. You know, I mean, as you can look in the NFL and see, they they produce athletes. So, uh, a lot of the kid, those kids are in-state kids. Uh, yeah. So you know, they're coming in to, to play the Gamecocks as tough as they can. Um, you know, they've played Clemson quite a few times between the time the Gamecocks played them and now. Uh, I think last time Carolina played them was in 09 and then won 38-14. It was more competitive than I think Coach Spurrier would have liked. <laughs> <laughs> you guys kind of pulled away late, but uh, SC State did pretty good. And they'll bring a bunch of their fans. I mean, they've got a proud program proud tradition. I, I just don't – I don't know, unless South Carolina just can't stop the run for whatever reason, which I think everybody's going to – me and Phil are going to pull out whatever remaining hair we both have right here if that happens. Um, you know, I, I think South Carolina can, it will be able to – given their scheme of things, you know, e- even with a couple of plays from Davis that you know he may make, uh, I think South Carolina will be able to have a really good defensive game and – you know, hopefully the offense doesn't come out and sputter around. You know, that would that would be unfortunate. But uh, you know, that that's kind of them long and short. I need to look at them a little more. I know uh I watched almost all of their bowl game last year in the Heritage Bowl against uh Heritage Bowl, I think. Uh the HBCU national championship. Uh and they beat primetime Deion Sanders. Yeah, yeah, that was a great game. They they played a heck of a game. Yeah, beat, beat them pretty Jeff. good. So you know, that, that's kind of the thing there. Uh, Spencer says line for the Kentucky game, thinking 13 to 15 for Kentucky, unfortunately. Maybe, maybe not. Let's see what happens with Kentucky and Ole Miss, folks. I mean, you know, some of you are like way overvaluing a win at Florida. Okay. Flo- here's, here's a Florida's two plays away from being 0 and 4. Um, you know, and, and they won at Florida because Anthony Richardson misfired all over the field. I think he threw 21 incomplete passes uh, in the swamp. Yeah, not not his best outing. No, I mean, and Kentucky is going to beat you when you do that. That's their well coached and good. You can't go, you can't screw up against them. Um, but let's see, let's see how they do against Ole Miss. I mean, I think some people are looking at that number seven. Now, now look, they go into Ole Miss and beat them. Yeah, I'll say, yeah, it's a 13 or 15-point line, and the Gamecocks better play the best they've ever played uh, mm-hmm. under Beamer to go up there and win. But I'm just, like, not – you know, I, I I just – I don't I don't understand that this fear. It's like, you know, so, some people are like, well, they're, they're going to lose every other game they play, you know, the Gamecocks. And not the Gamecocks have to get better. They can't play like they've been playing. But teams get better or worse. You either get better or you get worse week to week in this sport. And it does. It's never, never static, never, uh, in in college football. So, uh, so that's good. Uh, Doc says something about Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback. Says, dude, sneaky, fast running, can spin it, and he's cut down on the picks. He has. He still throws some every now and then, but his running ability, um, God, that run he had against Louisville last year, he actually pulled a Marshawn Lloyd. I think jumped over somebody. Yeah, <laughs> Will Levis. Yeah. 
there's a reason he's getting a lot of NFL hype. Uh, just talking to some people that have had Kentucky games this year that I know, their offensive line isn't the same uh, as it was. They lost a lot of players, plus Eric Wolford, off last year's team. Um, so sometimes they break down in protection like you would not expect them to. They still still going to go out and run the ball. Uh, Chris Rodriguez is coming back for that game. Kavosky Smoke is excellent, I think. Um, their defense is good, uh, but it's their linebackers. You know, their secondary and D line isn't. Uh, it may be quite what it has been. Still a really good football team, though, guys. I mean, it's, it's Kentucky. We all know how problematic beating Mark Stoops has been. Over the years, and you know, with Chris Rodriguez coming back, I I think he's still running against the Gamecocks. <laughs> you know, it runs and runs and runs all over him. Uh, Quantrell has an interesting point. Does Gilbert Edmond remind you of DJ Wanham any? That spin move Saturday for the sack was nice. Uh, what an evaluation, DJ. About you know, um, you know, uh, okay, uh, that spin move. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a distracting text message. From the dang gym, okay, and I, I know you go back to the gym, but but I had the one of the most clueless people I've ever like. You would literally tell her something. She was my trainer, and she would like do the opposite, you know. And you know, and, and you're, you're paying her all this money, and it was just very frustrating. So I just got a text. She's no longer there. They're like, "Come back, please." I'll have to talk to the fiance about that one. Uh, but yeah, look, Gilbert Edmond and DJ One both were excellent. It, it must champ evaluations. But, I mean, DJ Wanham was a two-star kid committed to Indiana, which mm-hmm. kind of tells you how good Indiana evaluates. And Gilbert Edmond was like, had just gotten an offer from South Florida. If you're Jeff Scott, you're probably feeling like, ah, man, missed that one. Uh, and then they went in there and flipped him late. And that was T-Rob and must champ on that one. So that's pretty good. Uh, Spencer, um, don't think Clayton White has the edge rushers to get pressure with only four. And then he's afraid to do more because the defensive backfield is so poor. So I didn't think he was afraid the second half, but I think you're on to something. You can't be afraid. You just got to go do it. And if if Levis beats you down the field, he beats you down the field. Uh, you know, you, you got Carolina's got to go out and score on Kentucky. You know, on the road, that's easier said than done. Uh, the offense absolutely has to go have a good game. That's the best way to beat Kentucky, I think, Phil, is to put points on the board because they're not, they're not the, this big high-scoring bunch. You know, they prefer to play games kind of in the 20s. You know, you go out there and are going up and down the field, I mean, you know, you know, score points, keeps their offense off the field, all that thing. Yeah, I think um, the past weekend kind of reflects that. I mean, you know, they played a really close game. Uh, I guess Northern the, Illinois. Yeah, because the opponent scored up into the 20s. So yeah. I mean, that game was still a game in the fourth quarter. Uh, so that's that's you just got to hope that your offense can execute and get up there. Because uh, if they get an early lead, you know what's coming. They're just going to ground and pound and, and run the damn clock out. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, right now, it would be Kentucky minus 11, give or take. Spence says fear, five year losing streak. That's not true. There's a two year losing streak right now in the series. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kentucky has passed us. Hard to argue with that until Carolina beats them and gets back to where they were. Can't rush or stop the rush. Well, they did Saturday. I mean, it's not an SEC game. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about here. It's like, you know, guys, teams change. You know, over the, you know, that game against Charlotte, yeah, it didn't didn't teach us much about, oh, okay, Carolina can score points if they can run the ball. Um, you know, 
but it doesn't mean it's not a death sentence for the rest of the year, you know, and we'll see how Carolina plays Thursday. Um, but I'm telling you, you know, you watch Kentucky, I mean, there's no need to fear this team. I mean, you know, you got some of you make them out to be the, the 85 Bears, they're not, they're, they're very beatable. Um, and I think the adage, JC, that comes from, you know, the, the, the team improves over the, the first to second week, you know, more drastically than it does any other week is indicative of a time where you're typically playing your two cupcakes at the front of your season as two yeah. and not getting hit with, you know, one decent FBS opponent at the beginning two solid SEC programs, at the, you know, and then you finally get to a couple of easier games. Those easier games are usually front loaded into the schedule to get your team better. But uh, with the TV landscape, the way it is, it's just not the way it is because we're looking for bigger games on every week. Now. I remember when the head ball coach was at Florida, every single year feel like clockwork. They would open with like the sisters of the poor. And then like the Gainesville YMCA. Right. Right. They'd, you know, occasionally they'd throw like Wyoming in there. Shoot, well, we're playing well. We ought to beat them by like seven or eight touchdowns, right? Uh, and sure enough, they, they they beat them and they, you know, they get their offense in rhythm. Uh, and then they'd go to uh Tennessee or Tennessee come to the swamp and they beat them. Mm-hmm. They'd win that game because they were way kind of more um more ready to get. I mean, they were they were they were in tune. Sometimes it takes and and, and when Spurrier was at South Carolina, they, he won most of his openers. They won most of the time. But I can't remember. Of course, the Gamecocks would open with like an SE. They would open with Mississippi State or Vanderbilt or uh, a good team, North Carolina, whoever, NC State. Um, and, and sometimes Spurrier's offense wouldn't click. I mean, in 09, they beat NC State 7-3 to three in Raleigh. Three. <laughs> the, the next week, they go to Athens and put 37 on the board. So, uh, I think the head ball coach scheduling-wise, he, he kind of had it made at UF and then – um, you know, all that. So it's just one of those things. Uh, Matt says Clayton Whitehead rarely had the opportunity to coach with a lead. I think our defense looks more comfortable uh, on the rare instances when the offense is scoring. Absolutely right, Matt. It's complimentary football, right? Yep. It's disheartening when you're playing defense and you're trying your best to get off the field and the offense goes three and out and you got to go back out there over and over and over again. Spencer says, JC, what do you expect us to lead? I mean, we're, we are who we are for the last several years. I'm in show me mode. You, you are aware, Spence, that South Carolina's only had this coaching staff for one season and four games. I mean, and, and I understand that because the must-champ era was – the bottom fell out. After, after probably 2.7 promising years, the bottom fell out. Yeah, just got cool. the rope pulled out from under you. Instead of getting better, the bottom fell out. And uh, I get that. And, it's and, and, you know, with the struggles on offense under this staff, you, you kind of feel the same way. Here we go again uh, with offense. Uh, but, but you have to kind of compartmentalize that and realize, like, look, this is this staff. Will Muschamp, none of his assistants are even there anymore. That You've got a couple of off-the-field guys. Uh, that's it. It's a new staff. So you, you got to judge them for what they've done. Um, you know, and, and not, not get in show me. If you want to get in show me mode over this staff after 17 games, I, I can, I'm fine with that. Look, I'm at, I'm in show me mode about the offense myself, but you know, to, to, to kind of just throw the whole thing out, not, not, I mean, you know, that that's not fair to these guys. Um, you know, it's, it's up to you that whether you want to do it, but I don't, uh, 
you know, I, I don't see the, 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 uh, you know, I, I, look, judge this team for how this team plays and this staff for how this staff's coached. Forget about 2020, forget about 2019 and the end of 2018. Those were tough times. Obviously, it's been a tough, long 10 years. People are sick of it. I get it. But Shane Beamer and his staff can't do anything about anything but right now and the future. You know, so that that's how I would say uh, with that. Um, thank you. It just feels like JC and Phil are like the Iraqi administrative vest or the first war. That's not true. That's that, that that's crap too. I mean, that's not. I mean, I'm just calling it like it is, and that's reality. And you, and you can get off track with reality positively and negatively. You know, uh, I think it's absolutely stupid to sit here and talk about five-year losing streaks when you don't even know, uh, you, you don't even know that they beat them two years ago. Then, then why are you even commenting? You know, I think it's absolutely stupid to to lump the failures of the previous coaching staff in with this coaching staff. I, I understand the feeling because of the fans, but 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 don't don't try to like sit here and tell me and Phil that, that we're spinning anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we're definitely not coming at you with a Pollyanna viewpoint here, you know, saying, Oh yeah, we're going to roll into Kentucky, you know, Kentucky and just kill them. But you know, I mean, there's no need in getting depressed about a game that hasn't even kicked off yet. So might as well go into it with a positive mindset. Well, I'll tell you what else is stupid. And it, well, I'm not going to say stupid. I think it's fact free. Uh, all right. Like the, the facts are football teams go up, and down in college. They get better or they get worse. Could they get worse? Absolutely. You know, that would really be a shame because there's really good players on this football team. There's no excuse for some of the things that happened the first three games and really in the first half the other day. Okay, that's the bottom line. Uh, but teams are either getting better or they're getting worse. And and you so you can't sit there and go, oh, my God, you know, three games in, not going to beat anybody. Oh, my God, must champ. Oh, my God, this. Oh, my God, that. That's not rational thought. I mean, I understand it's your feeling, and I, I can relate to the feeling, but this isn't about your feelings. You know, I mean, it's not about your feelings. I don't care about your feelings, Spence. <laughs> Spence has been communicating with me on radio shows since 2007 when I was in Columbia. So uh, he and I speak with each other very plainly, and I appreciate that. Uh, Andrew says, if Rattler plays like he has for the rest of the season, do you think he leaves the NFL, comes back, or transfers? I would be – I would say probably he wouldn't be at South Carolina would be my speculation. I don't know if he goes to the NFL or would take another transfer. The facts are what they are. The program has the same amount of wins through 17 games. But don't worry about fact. The PowerPoint has you convinced. Um. Six plus two, or whatever. They were eight and eight. They came back, barely beat Louisiana Tech. You're right. They were nine and eight. Um, you know, I thought last year uh, they did good to eke out seven. Uh, I think this year, you know, you kind of got to look at who they played. Uh, it certainly has not been as good of a start to year two as Will Muschamp. Uh, but Spence, let, let's talk about these facts, okay, since we're going to get into facts. Um, year two under Lou Holtz was, was what compared to year two under Steve Spurrier? Year two under Lou Holtz 
was a four zero start and a ranking in the top fifteen and a nine eight win season for the first time, one of the greatest turnarounds in history. Spurrier had to kind of get that 0-16 better and put Savelle Newton in. They got shut out at home by Georgia. They struggled against Wofford. I mean, you know, you, you, you want to go game by game. You know, I, I think every situation is different, but you're right. They are not an eight. So, you know, I, I just uh, – I would just wait till it plays out. You know, I mean, I, I don't see the point. You know, they, they just got a big win. See, she's going to crap all over that. Because you, you, your feelings, you, you, you're like, oh, my God, my feelings cannot let me forget this game. I can't forget the Georgia State game, Phil. I just can't quit it. Let it go. Oh, Spitz, come on, buddy. I love, I love you, Spitz. Uh, he goes JC or BROs, uh, all good. I think the facts support me and my dim outlook. Love you, JC. Um. You know, Doc says, I base my evaluation on the current staff. This is the seventh head coach I have seen. They have to get their staffs right to take a season or two, I believe, in Beamer. Um, look, I, I can't I, – I, I understand. Yeah, you got to get your staff right, and every coach that's been through here or anywhere has to make changes. I mean, uh, the one exception, I think, notably would be Nick Saban at Alabama. He's rarely had to fire anybody, but – you know, he basically went and got the band back together with like Kirby Smart and Lance Thompson and Burton Burns and, and those cats. And, you know, it is, I don't know, you know, he, uh, uh, he, he didn't have to like shuffle the deck, but he just by attrition and people leaving for other jobs, a lot of his guys go back to the NFL or whatever, but, um, you know, you know. uh, that, that, that's he went first shot too, JC. I mean, this is it. We're going to bear that in mind. This is his first time assembling a staff, so we don't know how he's going to respond. You know, and, and I think it's more than reasonable to give him two years <laughs> to yeah. evaluate. Now, if we if we finish this year in a disappointing manner, you know, if, even if that looks like you know five and seven or six and six, and we you know barely eke one out and weren't very competitive in some of those games at the end of the year, and he doesn't make any changes. All right, it's time to look. You know, it's all, this yeah, guy yeah. might have some management issues that we need to deal with. But mid-season, second year, guys have the job for a year and a half. That you know, I'm still I'm waiting to see. Yeah, on production, that's definitely the case. But I'm not ready to say, oh, woe was me, and the rest of the season's going to be terrible because look what happened. You look at Muschamp; that was his second go round, <laughs> and now yeah. He, Failed miserably. Really so. <laughs> I get it. And like, look, and, uh, the Muschamp staff, I think, it ended up when all is said and done, you look at the, the guys that are on staff, they're all good coaches. Um, some of them are at Alabama now. How about that? I just don't, I don't, I think what, what you could question with him, and this was kind of his tragic downfall, was were they in the right spots? Was T Rob really a defensive coordinator? Uh, was was when he promoted McClendon, was that the right move? Uh, it certainly wasn't the right move hiring Kurt Roper. By the time you got to Bobo, the pandemic hits and things are crazy. You know, so, so, so I, I think that's, that's fair to kind of uh, assess. So uh, I don't know. Craiger, my boy, says, and by the way, guys, uh, just, just again, Spencer has been like, Get, we've been getting on each other's nerves on the air for 15 years, right? 
Uh, he tunes in all the time. He's a great fan. Uh, he's just kind of a, you know, he, he's got this different uh, outlook and, and, and tries to kind of stir things up. So don't think I'm going to, I'm mad at him or anything like that. Uh, a good guy. Um, and he says, he's got a great day. All got a jump. Uh, Craig says the excitement was just so high all summer. We thought this offense would come out swinging. It's been a tough schedule uh, to start for us to start great on offense. And the fans have to reassess. Just thought we'd be further along. Maybe we expected too much too soon. I'm all in for Bieber being here for 15 years. Not if he doesn't hit, fix the offense, though. I mean, yeah, you don't keep a guy just because you like him. You know, I mean, you're yeah. going to have to produce, but I don't think we can consider what have we played? Uh, 15 games? 16? That's, 17. That's, yeah, 17. That's not a body of work. No, no, it's it's not. It, it, it's but but I'll I'll say this, you know, you, you there are disturbing trends with the offense. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah. you know, I mean look, hey, Carolina goes out and somehow can't run the ball against SC State, which would be sad. But Spencer throws for 485 yards and they win 56 to 3 anyway. I'd feel maybe a little bit better. <laughs> Just uh, sounds nuts to say. But uh, I'd feel a little bit better. But, you know, you, you look at this offense, and, and I think, Phil, what we've been saying is, is true. Uh, it's, it's Unless they've been able to run the ball, I mean, almost at will. I'm not talking about scratching out 150 yards or whatever, like you have to do sometimes to win in the SEC. Uh, I'm talking about unbelievably good rushing games. Mm-hmm. The offense doesn't work. And, and I think most offenses, if you're running it at will – I mean, you can line up in whatever you want <laughs> and run whatever the hell you want. I mean, so uh, yeah, I'm very concerned uh, about the uh, about the offense, and uh, you know, I've been very clear about that. And I'm not I'm not trying to come down on anybody just because you know Spencer called me out or whatever. Uh, that's just how it is. Anybody that's followed my work and, and listened to me or read what I've written knows I'm not. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of questions. I'm not a huge fan. Not a huge fan of. You know, hearing about the NFL every time you turn it around, you know, and the Rams and all that crap. I, I'm just, you know, I've, I've seen this movie before in college ball when some of these guys try to do it. Kurt Roper arguably had the same problems. Uh, Kurt Roper, if he'd have just called the Cutcliffe offense at South Carolina, uh, I think he'd have probably had a little more success. He wasn't that good at calling it on game day, but he went to the Browns for a year and learned all this NFL stuff and tried to implement it and, you know, they tried you know, Jake Bentley in 2017 as a second-year player. They tried to make him into Peyton Manning and put a ton on him, you know, and, and, and all that. And, and you know, I think sometimes you have to understand your personnel and, and what works and understand that, like, look, Spencer Rattler, you know, this is the, these were his weaknesses last year. These are his strengths. You know, I know you kind of sold him on coming here and learning how they do it in the league. Uh, and you can have some of that, but you, you got to make sure he's comfortable. I mean, good coaches put great players in position to succeed. Bad coaches only care about their system. Yep. Uh, and, and there are exceptions to that, like Mike Leach and Spurrier uh, and all that, because their systems are <clears throat> their system coaches and they're good. But there's no track record of a system here, you know, with, with Satterfield. They, you know, he does different things. Uh, here, there, and yonder, and, and and there's no track record of success. You know, the, the best offense I think they had at Temple was in the 70s. So um, that that's that's the difference. And and you know, the hope is they figure it out, right? The hope is maybe they've just played good teams. The hope is 
this, that. And there's a lot of hope, but I mean, it's just that it's hope, right? So yeah, that's but the I mean, there. you don't make an evaluation beating Charlotte and or SC yeah. State, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I'll say this: it, it means way more to the players. Like like where that where that blowout win or these blowout wins will help. It's not so much like oh, is the team good or not. Or, or, oh, this is, you know, it, it's confidence for your players. Because uh, a lot of this game, as we talked about with Sawyer, is mental, right? Yeah. It's like and when Beamer speaks, he's not talking to you. Mm-hmm. you know, he's he's trying to stay positive. He's talking to the team, you know, because you don't want to lose the team in the locker room. And sometimes you got to, you know, look at it from a positive bent as opposed to, you know, going negative all the time. Oh, but sorry. I doubt that he's in there behind closed doors being all sunshine and rainbows. Come on, y'all. Oh, I can guarantee. I will guarantee you. you I will guarantee you he's not. Okay, I'll just let you know right now he's not. So uh, that's the that's the deal there. All right, we're gonna be back. Uh, gonna catch up on the I Help Consulting mailbag. We've got quite a few questions there, uh, and more of your chats and conversation. Uh, once again, South Carolina State game rescheduled 7 p.m. On uh, Thursday night, waiting on the TV network. I can't imagine it's not going to be on TV. Uh, so we'll see kind of how that goes. All right. Last break of the show. We'll be back after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter at Mer Taylor at M E R T A Y L O R or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M C K E L L A R Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? 
Hey folks, JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nanasporch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer it's really good southern cuisine based out of charlotte my hometown i hope you guys go check it out go cox and go nanas hey man are you sick and tired of your business computer guy yes he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests yeah same here i'm paying him good money i constantly have issues and i'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843 699 1001 is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843 699 1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Remember, support for Inside the Gamecocks show is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BIGSPUR at Manscaped.com. Of course, the performance package has uh, arrived, and we really like it. JC and I both have it. Inside the package, you will find a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker, ear, nose, and oh, yeah, I almost said ear, nose, and throat. That would be <laughs> yeah, my, my, my throat is hairy. I know it's well, I'm thinking about fall seasonal allergies right now, so I got oh, ENT yeah. on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> crop preserver, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and of course, that nice clean bag to keep all your goodies in. And also, they, they've got some other stuff too, JC. They've got like a foot powder. They make a nice little razor there for your face as well that you can order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember, y'all get 20% off with free shipping with the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BIGSPUR. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the right job with Manscaped. Thank you, Phil. All right. I have consulting mailbag. One tweet. You can get in the mailbag two ways. You tweet to at the Big Spur Pod, or you can email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, this came in for you from your boy Ross. Uh, definitely a much needed tune up game. Great seeing Lloyd have a night. Still a few things I'd like to see tighten up on this, but at least Sat didn't call this one like a scrimmage. <laughs> As always, go Cox. Yeah, I thought I thought the the passing game was efficient. Uh, Rattler missed a couple of passes here and there, but uh, it was obviously uh, going to be a game where Carolina lined up and run the football. And, and look, uh, I, I know I'm sitting here going, well, 
offense hadn't worked unless you can run it uh, a bunch. And, uh, you know, that's not realistic all the time in the SEC, and that's true. Uh, but if they can get that going uh, against the teams on their schedule left, then more power to them. I mean, that's only going to help Spencer Rattler. That's only going to help the play calling. Uh, when you can run the football, that means everything. You know, maybe maybe this – I mean, sometimes offensive lines take a little while to gel. We saw that a lot uh, during the Spurrier era, <laughs> especially the early on Spurrier era. Uh, and so uh, maybe that's the case. I mean, I can't rule it out. I have I have my doubts still because until it happens, it's not going to happen. But uh, if Carolina can run the football against all the teams left on their schedule, they're going to probably be pretty successful scoring yeah. points, uh, in my opinion. So there's that. All right, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And Phil, I think uh, let's see, you want to Xavier Jerome? Okay, here we go. Yeah, go ahead and rock that one. Oh, yeah, we talked a little bit about this, but Jerome, yeah, I got a question for you regarding SR7. Of course, that's Rattler. If South Carolina goes 6-6 six and six and becomes bowl eligible, will he or should he come back in 2023, go 5-7 and seven and not bowl eligible, what do you do? Is there even a bar established for this season that would influence those propositions above? Uh, let's see. He's got a lot of stuff in here. All right, I'll answer this. I, I don't think piece of the time. Yeah, I don't think Carolina's record is dependent on what his decision is. Like in other words, let's say South Carolina had a lot of games, like the Arkansas game this year, where he was lighting, you know, putting up big numbers uh, with a lot of highlights. I, I, I think I think he'd definitely go. I, I'd I'd be very surprised if Spencer Rattler came back next year, not because. He doesn't like it, or, or you know, it was a predetermined one and done. It's just, you know, he's a guy that that, that number one, I think he'll play, he'll he'll do some really good things moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have that faith. If not, there's something horribly wrong, but it's not his fault. Um, the second part, and look, before everybody goes, Luke Doty's better. That that's not true. And I'm a big Luke Doty guy. You know, everybody seems to call for the backup, Luke Doty. Last year, everybody just trashed him over and over again. He's gotten better, like players do. Uh, Luke, you know, you got to be excited about what he can do in the future. Um, and, you know, you make a decision to play him because of his, his wheels or his running ability, you know, that's fine too. But uh, I don't I don't see that happening. And keep in mind, you know, Luke's just played in mop-up duty. You know, he hasn't <laughs> been out there uh, when the game's on the line. So uh, just kind of chill with, with, with that. But um, – I, you know, could you make a case, Jerome, for Spencer Rattler coming back next year? Not with the same offense. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Now, let's say things don't go well. There's a new OC that comes in. It's kind of a modern, exciting college style offense where Rattler can go out there and put up numbers. Um, or, or that's the fo- you know, it, it, you guys know what I'm saying about that. Mm-hmm. Th- then maybe there's a slight chance, but I, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. Um, and the next level is an individual proposition, JC. It doesn't have to anything to do with your team record. If you're good, you go. And if you're not, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Period. <laughs> Period. Uh, Spencer Rattler is the best thing to happen to Columbia since Russia's enlisted DoorDash options. That's, that's actually a game changer. Uh, Russia's being on DoorDash. Nice. Next time I am um, in Columbia, I'm going to remember that. Man, Russia's is so good. <laughs> it's so good. And he says Spencer has a lot to prove. He does. He yeah. does. 
Yeah. Um, and I agree with that. And I'm, I'm, but I, you know, I thought even he took a little bit of a step forward. You know, he played within himself, didn't force a lot, did miss some guys. But look, quarterbacks are going to miss sometimes open receivers, and sometimes they look open and they're not. Right. Uh, you know, I've said that before. Um, but uh, I thought he's very efficient the other night. And you know what? I've liked to have seen them, you know, air it out and go deep a few times. Yeah. But, you know, they probably weren't playing you know, the right defense or whatever, hopefully. Who knows? Uh, so that's that. Um, Joseph, really good Spartanburg guy here, Joseph. Uh, he says, uh, in basketball, our team would press after made free throws and at the start of quarters and push the ball uh, fast break after the opponent missed free throws. We were able to get some easy points and turnovers by varying the tempo throughout the game. Vintage Spurrier would take a shot after sudden change turnovers. Yeah. Brian McClendon did that one time, too, and it worked. He did it in the outback bowl, if you remember. Clemson typically tries to score at the end of the half, and we don't ever seem to do that. That, that you know, Phil, one thing I've noticed about Clemson since the Tommy Bowden era, mm-hmm. they will do that. They they are the, – the end of the half, they're really dangerous. Yeah, like, they're, they're you know, They will sit there, and they will have done nothing the whole half. Get the ball, you know, maybe a 7-7 game or a 10-7 game, and they're playing Duke or somebody – uh, and then they march it down the field in four plays and score 17 7. And they'll get the ball the second half 24 7. That's ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Spurrier didn't necessarily try to go up and down the field with a minute to go, but that, that, that's that's a, I think that's a good idea. Uh, there is a school of thought that says if you go out and try and chunk it on down the field, you can, you can throw a pick or something, and then mm-hmm. you're out of it. And, and then you see it makes it even worse. Um, but you know the 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 quick the the quick strike after a sudden change is always great because uh, it's a mental thing for the defense. Um, he says, uh, and he goes on to say, "I would love to go quick game after long pass plays and runs when you have the defense on their heels." Yes, after, also after every turnover and score, I would try a surprise onside kick. Eh, it depends on what moment you are in the game. You don't want to be like Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, depends on your opponent. Yeah, you yeah. Have somebody who can you know flip it right back on you. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful. Thoughts on all of this. Joseph. I thought you know the two minute drive at the end of the first half in this game was a positive change. You know, we got point, yeah. we moved it down the field. Uh, you know, even though it was only a field goal, still happy with that. You got points going into halftime. Uh, I did think we left an opportunity when we got the turnover in plus territory to take a shot. But yeah. we're running the football in this game. So it was like, okay, I kind of get it. And we're winning and, you know, all of this. But still, is that shades of the dogmatic adherence to script? Or is that, you know, <laughs> ah, well, we don't really need it right need. <laughs> A Dogmatic adherence to script. I'm telling you, if, if Satterfield goes down, that's going to be the reason ultimately. Like, it will all go back to that. It was like, it was my plan. My precious, my precious plan. My precious plan. Er, my precious plan. Er. Carol Ann is in the TV. <laughs> Anyway, a little Poltergeist reference there. One more question from the mailbag today here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Uh, don't forget tomorrow uh, we'll have um, we will have uh, Evan Woodbury from Tito's and Chicken Podcast on, and then uh, Jamie Bradford will join us. Show ends at 1230. We'll have kind of a pregame show on Thursday with the schedule change. No show on Friday, and then we'll talk about next week next week. Uh, Eric says, hey, JC, a little off topic, but I checked the Georgia Tech hot board and saw they have Bill Clark on there. Do you know why he retired? 
yeah, he had some bad back problems. Um, and it, it, I've been fortunate, Phil. I haven't had any back problems as, as I've gotten older, but I know some people that have. It is a pain in the in the backside. I mean, it, it, it's like it's, de it's debilitating, you know. Um, and when you're coaching and up and walking around and all that, I mean, got, you know, Mike Krzyzewski had back issues. You remember? Yep. Mm -hmm. I had to sit out a year and stuff. It's very, very painful. I think it did Larry Bird in. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Tiger Woods, too. Yep. Uh, to a certain extent. He, and Clark isn't that old. Blows my mind. He never got a bigger job. He kind of put his life's work into UAB. Do you think Auburn – I mean, now you look at it with the health issues and the retirement, that would have not been good. But do you think Auburn would have rather had Bill Clark than, than Brian Harson? I think that. Hold on, let me let me check. Hello, oh, uh, my caller ID says the Looney Bin. Uh, that's Auburn, Alabama, by the way. Uh, you know, you pick up the phone. Hey, hey, hey Bill Clark. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. The Yellowwood guy signed off on it. Great, okay. So uh, yeah, Clark was good. Never did anything as a head coach, but win a good hire if they could pull it off. Uh, yeah, he won, and guess what? You know, they canceled his program, and then he came back and won some more. Uh, and it's UAB. I'm I'm actually kind of happy to, in a certain way, that I mean, I want happy because you always want to see one more game when the season ends. But in 2020, when they canceled the Gasparilla Bowl, Carolina was supposed to play UAB down there. Ooh. Yep. That 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 team against that UAB team probably wouldn't have been pretty. Yeah, my God, ugly. Well, oh God, that would have not been not been good down at Raymond James Stadium in front of ten awesome people. Uh Ed says hope is not a method. No, you know, it's not. Yeah, you know, Shank Redemption, and it is a results business. You know, just. Yeah. Chancey said, uh, what I saw from Moore and Wanamaker on Saturday, I'd keep those guys in and see how they do next week. I agree. I like that. I actually like the way they played. Uh, really do. They kind of rotated them in and out. Uh, mm -hmm. Jared says, is Kentucky the most important game remaining on the schedule? Or is it securing wins against Vandy and Missouri to show true progress? We need to get back to winning games like this year in and year out. I think Kentucky, Missouri, Vandy, Tennessee, the teams in the Florida, the teams in the East – as long as there is an East, which there won't be for very much longer, uh, you need to beat the East. You know, South Carolina at one point, not too long ago, they may not have won the East but once, but they were the best team overall in that division for about two or three years, you know, because uh, they beat everybody else. They just had uh, unlucky matchups against the West, and then uh, one year they lost to Tennessee. That <laughs> sucks. Uh, Sugar Ray, it seems the run game is critical to Sat's play calling. Play action works if we can run it effectively. Seems Sat may be stubborn and can't adjust. We shall see against UK. I, I, I think the whole issue is, is, again, the balance. You know, you can't just, if you're not able to run it at will, and there's a difference between being able to run the ball and being able to run it at will, mm -hmm. you got to have that because you got to keep them off, off balance. You know, you can't just get, you get one dimensional in one series, in one way, and then you're one-dimensional another. I, I think that's the problem. There's no rhythm to it. You know, there's a rhythm. There's an art form to call in plays. The best ones do that. Uh, Doc says it's a results business, period. Uh, I'm not arguing that. I think hope uh, oh, uh, hope is something, though, that's not, uh, you know, not something you should just dismiss. I mean, what's Steve Spurrier always say if, if, since we're talking about him? Hopefully, he's like I don't use the word we are. I use the word hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. 
You got to have hope. Kentucky's the most important, 76 says, because it's the next game. True. Um, Doc says we can really have a good season and still believe they can do. Do or not do. No try, Yoda says, and he is the man. Mm. Do or not do. Yoda. There is no try. He's a small green creature. He is. Or small green creature. But uh, <laughs> you poor Yoda. Do you like baby? My brother kind of talks like uh, Butthead from Beavis and Butthead. He's a pilot, too. So if you ever get in a plane, you say, Here, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Uh, get off. Nah, he's a hell of a pilot. But, but one day he's just like sitting there. We're, we're driving him somewhere. And he's like, Do you like baby Yoda? Huh. Like, yeah. <laughs> says, that being said, he's like, No hate on Luke, but the ball looks like it's thrown in slow motion compared to Rattler. Really tired of seeing noodle arms under center force. Now, 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 Sonder, let's he's not a noodle arm, bud. Uh, he's just not doesn't have the velocity Spencer Rattler does, but not many people in the country do. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, with that being said, uh, Reno looks like he could seriously spin it. He does, very strong arm. And Saunders says, Can DoorDash bring the Russia's parking lot to you? Um, and then he says, Spur was the king of momentum shots. I miss it so much. Uh, the DoorDash parking lot reference, everybody on the Big Spur, when it's time for them to fight, they say, meet me at Rush's on Garner's Ferry. <laughs> Craiger talks about the back. He says, I have a horrible back. Wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's awful. Yeah, it's, it's no fun having a, a bad back. Mm-mm. You got to have the back to stay. Hey, I'm going to say something obvious like John Madden, you know. <clears throat> yeah, you you got to have a bad back or, uh, you know, to stand up. Uh, or else you, you, you'll fall down. Boom! I don't. I can't do a Madden. That's Frank. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, Clint says he really likes Reno. I hope this offense gets much better, so he doesn't start looking around. You know, with him, all right. So he he's still all in. The corner from Cincinnati got offered by Notre Dame the other day. Uh, that concerns me just because Notre Dame has a big history at that high school in Cincinnati. Um, a Notre Dame type of offer for a kid from the Northeast. Look out for that. Yeah, that's Uh, Of course, Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, mouthing, do your effing job. (laughs) Do your effing job. Do your effing job. And then they ask him what it was about. They're like, hey, apologize. But that was was kind of a funny viral moment. What's up with uh, people catching, like, Press box tantrums now. Ken Dorsey from the Bills. Oh, man, that Bills one was that was an atomic yeah. blow up. Yeah, that's Ken Dorsey that used to play quarterback for Miami. Uh, yep. What a hothead, dude! Um, the Bills have a chance, I think, to win the Super Bowl this year. By the way, I think that was what was so frustrating too. Is like they did yeah. day all around the heat down there in Miami. It's terrible, yeah. A division loss to a team that's actually looking pretty good. <laughs> you know, the Dolphins do look good this year. Uh, yeah. Various Rucker's happy about that. But I, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because they, they say Dorsey is sort of a hothead. Um, I've never seen a great offensive coordinator that's a hothead. Uh, most of them are like Brian Dable, who was there, who was those last year. Uh, very, very low key. Now, defensive coaches, and I mean, you coach any other position, you could show your butt. I mean, that's mm-hmm. fine. I've just never seen a good OC. That's not calm, cool, and collected. And before somebody says Steve Spurrier, when he was dialing up plays, look at him. 
Now he may get frustrated and throw his visor afterwards, but he's not out there yelling and, and all that, you know, yeah. uh, by the way, the, the corner from Cincy is a guy named Carson Hobbs. He's from Cincinnati Moeller, which of course, former Notre Dame coach, Gary Faust, uh, who got fired, but who everybody liked the uh, Notre Dame. Yes. Once upon a time, Notre Dame hired a high school coach. Uh, he, he came from Moeller, if I'm not mistaken. So that's Archbishop Moeller is like, that's a big deal for kids that go to that school. Um, so I'd be a little concerned. I, who in the heck has him as a mid? I, see, I wonder if this Notre Dame, he's a mid three-star, right? I wonder if this Notre Dame offer is going to change things. South Carolina, Kentucky, Notre Dame have offered. Hmm. So is, I, is, I, is there a Notre Dame bump these days? I don't know. Probably so. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, likely. What is he, a 24 kid? Yeah, 2024. So that, that's that, there's two 2024 commits right now. Um, Hobbs was just a guy that came and camped, and he loved it, so he stuck with it, uh, or, or so he committed. So we'll see if that sticks. Um, Clint says, uh, all right, Jared says, what happens at the end of the season when Satterfield's contract expires? How does that impact our quarterback room? Well, it just depends on what happens, man. <laughs> I mean, I – yeah. I, I don't know. You know, there, there's something that he – his pitch to recruits are, is actually really good. And the guy can recruit really well, um, which means he can relate to his players pretty well. Uh, there was some talk last year that – I think people got it confused. There, there were some reports of toxicity or whatever on the staff. Um, and, and they had a meeting and, and worked it out, right, uh, before the bowl. Uh, but the, the toxicity was never about the players. There was never any like verbal abuse to players or anything like that. He sat gets along with his players pretty well. His players like him. Um, I just think in games sometimes, you know, maybe what happens in practice doesn't happen in the games. And, and, and that, that, that's part of it. You got to take it from the practice field to the, the arena uh, and we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Craig was talking about Carson. He says, thought you meant someone new. no, Nobody knew from Cincinnati, um, but uh, I think Hobbs is going to end up being a heck of a pickup, but Carolina's going to have to fight like crazy to keep him uh, in the mix. Yeah, good uh, thing you were in on it early. Yeah, yeah, the, mm -hmm. the stronger, longer theory. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a, there's more, um, you know, Viagra probably has that uh, theory when they're talking about their product as well. Is that next, by the way, after Manscaped's gun? That, Viagra? We're going to move on to hymns. Hymns, stronger, longer, baby. Woo. Oh, man. Uh, well, guys, it's been another fun show. Uh, again, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have my best show today. Spence came in and needled me. Uh, that happened. That hadn't happened in 14 years. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's a, the first couple of ones, I was like, who the hell is? I'm like, oh, I know who this is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I used to do that. Someday Spence would be the only person that called or, 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 or emailed the show in Columbia. That's why I like this much better because we have plenty of interaction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you'd be in the summertime, man. It'd be July. You know, Cor Corey Miller was a great co-host of mine. We had a show called The Box. But sometimes Corey's schedule would, you know, get in the way. And it was like 10 minutes before a three-hour show, not a two-hour show. Mm. Um, and then we'd, uh, you know, he'd call 10 minutes before, would have to back out. It's July in Columbia, South Carolina. You know, it's 2008. You know, you're just going to talk the Gamecocks to death. Uh, brutal. Brutal. <laughs> For three hours, not two. Um, and uh, 
you know, Corey was there most of the time, but, but some of those days Spence would be the only guy that would, uh, you know, interact. <laughs> so I'd get all fired up and stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, we appreciate all of you guys uh, for tuning in. Don't forget tomorrow. Uh, it's a great show because uh, we've got uh, Jamie Bradford and Evan Woodbury from the Tito's and Chicken Podcast makes his debut on Inside the Game Costa Show. Don't forget, it'll be up in podcast format. This one will be up uh, here in an hour or so on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, also on YouTube if you want to get it. And uh, I'm recording a JC and Morgan here in 30 minutes with Mike and Michael. So if you like that college football podcast, be sure to check out JC and Morgan College Football Podcast wherever you can find podcasts. We're going to probably start streaming that at some point. Uh, by the way, uh, nice. more details on that later. All right. For Phil Mullinax, it's JC Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Have a great Tuesday, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Hump Day. <laughs>